Are you the same person that you were years ago? Is that a good thing? Or are you still struggling with certain issues? Have you asked this question, why haven't I overcome those things in my life? How will change affect who I am today, who I am tomorrow? Have we exercised our imaginations in the spiritual realm to allow seas to find fertile ground? Is the past being an anchor for me or is the past being a springboard? From the holes of wisdom comes insight we didn't have ears to hear until today. Today, I am honoring my dear friend, Steve Schoonover, devoted husband, father, and contractor. I'm humbled to hear these words again and again, and I will allow them to change the course of my destiny. Thank you, dear friend, for sharing them. I miss you. Hello from the Pacific Northwest, this is Kristen from KristenWombach.com and you're listening to Intentional Now Podcast. Answer me this, how does a Baptist farm girl from Oregon stumble upon the mystical nature of Christ, the love of God? If you're like me, Jesus has redefined what you used to say yes to. Join me and my guest on a mystical journey. But before we talk about the spiritual woo-woo, you need to know I am totally sold out to Jesus. It's amazing what the love of God reveals. So the uh, when Kristen asked me to share, I've been given that a lot of thought for the last month or so and the thing that there were several things that came up when I was preparing and one of the things were am I the same person that I was years ago yesterday 10 seconds ago am I the same person or not one of the things that was making me think about that was there's certain things in my life that I struggle with that have never really gone away. Even since I was a Christian and I knew what is right and what is wrong, at least in my understanding at the time, how have I dealt with it and why haven't I overcome those things in my life? And how do they affect who I am today so that and restrict me so that I can't move into something new tomorrow? things within my marriage, things within my relationships in this realm and things within my relationships with God and with Jesus and with the heavenly host. I gave that some considerable thought and where does my understanding of who I am evolve from? Where does it have its roots? 
and that thinking took me back to when David was basically passing the kingship over to Solomon in First Chronicles 29, verse 17, it says, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here to offer willingly unto you. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imaginations of the thoughts of the hearts of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee. He prayed for basically the imaginations to be seeded into the hearts of the people. And I believe that those seeds have planted, been planted throughout the years and years since then in the hearts of God's people that he's bringing to pass. He, their seeds, it's like a seed you plant in a garden. There's a potential within that 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 seed is going to become whatever you plant. David's planting... David was praying that what he had released upon Solomon at that time and upon the people at that time would be planted in the hearts of the people for forevermore. So that seed, the imaginations, what that is back then is now coming into fruition in some form and will continue to be come into fruition in the, in the future. And those those imaginations are, what do we know? Imaginations. Have we exercised our imaginations in the spiritual realm to allow those seeds to be find fertile ground? Good word. Would you say that again? Have we exercised our imaginations in the spiritual realm to allow those seeds to be find fertile ground? Years ago, this is who I was. This is 1971. Wow. Homecoming king, queen. Oh, wow. <laughs> traveling around on the back of the convertible in a parade. This is what I looked at many years ago. Look at those straight bangs. <laughs> that was the 70s. Yep, yeah, that was the 70s. This is me as president of the senior class. That's who I was. Then. And the thing that's been pushing on me the last month or so is, am I the same person? Am I still trying to live the past in some capacity in who I am today? Or have I allowed the past to help form me to who I am in the future. Is the past being an anchor for me, or is the past being a springboard? I've been reading a book on Bend. On the town of Bend? Town of Bend, okay. turn of the century. And a doctor, the only doctor that was there in basically the whole of Central Oregon. What's the name of the book? The Frontier Doctor by Erling Cole. And what has caught my attention is that 
at a young age, the seed that was planted in him by his parents to be a doctor, he grabbed onto that, and that driving force to be a doctor propelled him through his whole life. And the seeds that have been planted in me, have I allowed them to propel me to be all I'm supposed to be? The thing that came out here was the tenacity of the people that he, he was, and the tenacity of the people that lived in the Bend area, what it took to just survive. Am I, do I have that tenacity? When we first get born again, we have all sorts of zeal. We have source, all sorts of energy to, to move into the Lord. But over the years, do we lose some of that zeal? Increase in knowledge. We do increase in knowledge. But do we have the zeal to live and cultivate the imaginations that David planted in our life? Do we even take the time daily to visit the imaginations, you know, to allow whatever they are to surface in our lives and not just be things that are lying dormant, you know, like a, a seed that's under the ground and you disturb it years and years and years later, that seed will then spring to life. But it's not until the ground is churned up or cultivated that those whatever that seed is comes to life. We choose daily to cultivate our imaginations, those seeds that are lying dormant in our spiritual hearts. This is a, all about a page of a young person that was out um, hunting and doing stuff that to stay alive, you know, to to make a living, to do basically just live life in the turn of the century band area. A young man, the lad rode forth one fine morning down a dim road along the edge of the prairie to the buckaroo camp and turned off into the thick pine timber. About a mile in the timber he came on the fresh trail of a bear. Most horses are thrown into a panic by the sight or scent of a wild bear. The lad's young bronc was no exception. He started to bolt, but the lad held him. Then he began really to buck. The first few jumps loosened the safety catch on the automatic six-shooter, and it began discharging into his right thigh. One bullet striking the bone... Fortunately, the empty cartridge from the second shot caught in the ejector and jammed the gun so it could not discharge again. The next buck of the bronc threw the lad and he hit on his hands and knees. The fall broke the right thigh bone in a long oblique fracture extending the full length of the shaft of the bone. you got to realize some of the verbiage is very turn of the century. The bronc then bolted from the scene, taking the rifle, which was in the scabbard, along with the saddle with him. This is a good word right here. Retaining his wits and nerve in the midst of disaster, the lad wrapped his belt twice around his leg at the upper end of the fracture and buckled it tightly. 
He then bound, bound the leg firmly at the lower end of the fracture, just above the knee, with his big red bandana, kerchief. That enabled him to crawl on his hands and the sound knee. And he started for the Buckaroo camp, which was about miles away. I mean, it was quite a ways. He was actually down by Crane Prairie, but that's hoping to reach it before dark. It would have been more considerate of the bronc if it had tossed the lad up into the branches of a nearby tree where he would have been out of reach of prowling bears. He worked his way slowly, painfully towards the edge of the prairie, with the blood dripping from his wounded leg, leaving a trail behind. He at last saw the light of the open prairie filtering through the remaining trees at the edge of the forest and thought he would soon reach aid. But a terrible peril suddenly confronted him. He heard the loud, savaging billowing of a wild-range bull, and peeping cautiously around the foot of a tree, saw the infuriated bull out, in, out on the edge of the prairie, less than a hundred yards away. Wild-range cattle become excited and infuriated by the smell of blood, and this old bull had caught the scent of the blood dripping from the lad's leg. Roaring and billowing savagely, his eyes rolling wildly, his tongue lolling out at its full length, he charged about searching for an unseen foe. He charged up and up toward the edge of the forest, lowering his head, shook his horns, began pawing the ground ferociously while his wrecked tail waved challenge and defiance high in the air over his back. The sight of the infuriated bull made the lad's heart sink. He did not know what to do, but he was determined not to give up, but die fighting. His first impulse was to climb a tree, but he realized at once that it would not be possible to do so with his broken leg. When he started to turn back to go deeper into the woods, he saw a new peril confronting him. His blood ran cold. Just a short distance away, snuffing along on the trail of blood, was a big brown bear. The old bear had struck the trail in the rambles and, it was, and so, of course, followed it. With the infuriated wild bull in front of him, the bloodthirsty old bear advancing from the rear, the lad was on the spot. <laughs> Fortunately, he had good lungs and he put them to work. He yelled at the bear to frighten him away, but the old bear did not shoe worth a cent. The sight of a man down on all fours yelling at the top of his voice was such a curious sight, and the smell of fresh bread was so enticing that the bear simply stood there fascinated. When the lad saw that the bear did not shoo away, all he could do was to shout for help. He must have yelled louder than the bull could bellow, for although the bull was between him and the buckaroo camp, the boys heard him and hurried to the rescue. The bull was driven away, and the old bear shuffled off into the woods. And the rest of it is how then they put him in a stretcher and took him to town. The things that caught me in that story was the fact that retaining his wits and nerves in the midst of disaster. He did what he could for himself. He never gave up. He didn't grow weary in what he was thinking. He listened to those imaginations and those things that are on his heart that he was to survive. He was out there, that he was raised to, to 
be a conqueror in the environment he was in, so he never gave up. He did not know what to do, it says later, his first, but he was determined not to give up but die fighting. His first impulse was to climb a tree and realized he couldn't do that. He had a peril in front of him and he had peril behind him, but he wasn't about to give up. So he just did what he could and pretty soon it came down to crying out at the top of his lungs to be rescued. Sound like some of our journeys? <laughs> peril behind us, peril in front of us, realizing that the only way out was to yell for the Lord. It's been a trying year for Sue and I. To have peril behind you and peril in front of you and realize the only thing we can do is holler. In the midst of it, you take the joys that come. And I've also been impressed by the many times in Scripture we're encouraged to choose a path. And I think it's not only it's allowing those imaginations to be fertile, to, to grow the seeds of what those imaginations are, to be allowed, allowed to find the light of the Spirit, the light of day, daily, and to choose them. We don't deliberately, we've all grown to the point where we don't deliberately choose bad things to come in our life. We have trained ourselves up to, with the Lord's mercies, to be choose the things that are right for us and to help us along. We don't choose that route, but there's this middle ground where not choosing anything is holding us back. Good work right there. Right there. <laughs> to me, I've come to a point where I've I see myself in that middle ground way too often. To find the strength to choose. Not stay in the middle ground, but the strength to choose. And that's the Lord's nurturing. I think it's in Luke, it talks about love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and strength is a strong encouragement. There's other words he could have thrown in there, frilly words, but he said heart, soul, and strength. It takes courage of heart. It takes a presence of the soul, the understanding of the soul, but it also takes the strength of an internal conviction to make a choice. A choice to serve the Lord, the choice to, uh, to move forward, to continue to yell. 
when perils behind us and where perils in front of us sometimes our only option is to holler and there's no hindrance to us between the Lord will keep him from hearing us when we cry out whether it's an old bull in the, out in the prairie or whether it's a bear behind us he will hear us in Ephesians 3.20, the prayer, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that work within us. Part of that power is the imaginations that are sprouting. If you eat good things, your body will respond in good ways. If we respond to the imaginations that are coming up from seeds that David planted thousands of years ago, we're going to reap benefit and the world that we're in will reap the benefits of us. We've been sent to be world changers. We've been sent to be life changers, ours and others. And to respond by choosing the seeds of that imagination that's inside of us that have been laid there many, many years ago. Many of our visions of ourselves over the years that we've talked about in here is in some form or another, water is involved. We've all had lakes or we have rivers or we have flowing water, we have still waters, but there's many times there's that water. Water is purifying, cleansing, refreshing, rejuvenating, and life-giving. The Lord is responding to things that are going on in our lives by saying, I, I will be the one that refreshes you. I will be the one that gives you life. I will be the one that cleanses, purifies, and brings you forth and so I can present you to myself someday as a pure bride, pure and clean bride. So it's really up to us to cultivate in a way to choose the right things, to listen to the right things. To set aside time just to let the imaginations that are buried deep within us because of history that says, this is who you are. And the Lord's saying, it's not who you are. This is who you are. See that come up in, out of the, the seeds that have been planted in us. The submarine. I was... A beautiful analogy of what's going on. You know, we're part of us is buried really deep, but the deep in us is crying out to who we can be, the deepness of who we will be in the future. Let's connect and bring that together where the deep is crying out to deep. Let's choose choose life.
I thought that sort of to close, uh, maybe we could take five minutes, you could play just some music. We just take five minutes or so for whatever timeline, you know, we feel we're on and just try to engage with imaginations that have either been squelched because they haven't been chosen for a while or new imaginations they're still buried and need to be allowed to come forth allow the seeds of that imagination to come out of their buried spot their dark spot and sprout into a consciousness that we can then choose them cultivate them and bring them forth in our lives I want to give him my destiny as a gift. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have something they would like to share? Mm -hmm. I have listened to this recording again and again, and it is a life application that alters my thinking in so many ways. I wanted to interject a story that I had shared during the original recording, the importance of decision-making under pressure. I have a point of view. The ability to make decisions under extreme pressure is a critical characteristic of any leader. But you can make a difficult decision when you're unsure of the outcome. I heard this story during the Gulf War, Norman Schwarzkopf was a commander-in-chief who shared a story about a general who mentored him in his early years. A decision was needed regarding the war's politics that had been going on for 10 years. The importance of this decision was immense as it would affect the entire army's structure. The highest-ranking officials presented detailed explanations and stacks and stacks of documents, but the general confidently gave them the answer. Schwarzkopf, he was astonished, wondering how the general could make such a complex decision without even reading everything that was presented to him. He asked his mentor a little bit later, how could he possibly make such a decisive action? The general replied that it was a decision that nobody had been willing to make for 10 years and that decisions are power. As a leader, he was there to make decisions and if he was wrong, they would find out quickly. Schwarzkopf learned a valuable lesson from his mentor and through that experience that he never forgot. The moral of our story, not making a decision is more critical than a right or wrong one. In closing, one thing I'd like to just pass along as we I get done here is that by not choosing it's not meaning none of us have a future the Lord will use us but if by choosing the good seed letting the imaginations come forth by choosing not choosing will still have a future 
but choosing will give us our destiny. And because of our love for God and our, our Lord, and the, what Laura shared about submarines basically just driving by faith, not knowing what's out there because they don't, can't see, just going by what they've been given as directions is really uh, an encouragement for me, but just drive, just to move forward with the, the trust that the Lord has my best interest at heart. Even though sometimes my, my mind don't agree with it, the, our best interests, our destiny will be given back to him one day. You wanna give a benediction and then we can and turn that off because every time I turn it off and we're not done I'm always sorry that I turn <laughs> it off <laughs> so I'm being patient so why don't I pray that sounds good Steve and um, we'll go from there Heavenly Father um, we thank you that you are the imagination the destiny we have in our heart is you And the gifts that we possess are for you. I thank you for being with us today. I thank you for uh, looking after Joe and cleaning up his lungs, uh, giving him rest and giving him uh, healing, giving him rejuvenation. I thank you that um, our time together is also just rejuvenating and healing to all of us even in the places deep in our hearts or laying on the ocean floor, that you can take care of all of those things no matter where they are because they're not out of your reach. Thank you for blessing each person and taking care of them and continuing to reveal yourself in greater ways. I thank you for just your love being such a tangible thing for each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you my destiny as a gift. Scripture leaves us with a valuable word. Salal. Stop and think about that. Pause. Wonder, ask questions, think. Thank you to my dear friend for the wise words he shared with us a couple of years ago. I treasure them. Thank you, listener, for spending this time with us today. I bless you. I bless you. We'll get back to our series on peace next week. You have a great rest of your week, and I will see you then. Bye now.